Hi, everyone. We've set up this Being an Engineer podcast as an industry knowledge repository, if you will. We hope it'll be a tool where engineers can learn about and connect with other companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. So make some connections and enjoy the show. And part of it is just a willingness to just go and try. It's this. I just ran into something that I have no idea how to get past. And I'm going to go, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to think of just whatever way I could do and try try whatever it is until I find a solution. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Being an Engineer podcast. I'm your co-host, Rafael Testai, and today we have a very special guest, Jacob Maurice. He has a decade of experience in product design. He's also the head design and development at Maurice Products. As the father of, listen to this, 10 children, he's consistently pushing product design to develop uh, designs to help individuals and families. He has a bachelor's and master's degrees in mechanical engineering from BYU-Idaho and BYU. Now he serves as an adjunct faculty in Brigham, acting as a capstone coach, helping a team of senior engineer students on their final projects. So if you're an engineering student listening to this podcast and you're about to do your capstone, you may want to listen to this. Jacob is the inventor of five issued patents and multiple other patents under review primary mechanical designer of over two dozen products that have been brought to market, a principal mechanical designer and products that have sold tens of thousands of units. You probably own or use products Jacob has designed. So right away from reading this introduction, your your mini biography is not only you're involved in the academia, but you also have real world experience being a product mechanical design engineer. And that I think sets you apart. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, first of all, also, congratulations on your 10 children. Uh, oh, <laughs> how do you manage your schedule? How do you make this work? Uh, you know, it's crazy. I was, I was just thinking about it. We, so I started my own business about three years ago. Um, right, uh, right about the exact same time, my wife uh, and I found out we, she was pregnant with our 10th kid. Um, <laughs> So a lot of it is just support for my wife, uh, letting me do this, letting me start a business, letting me kind of pursue my dreams. Um, but we've got we've got ten kids. Our oldest is twelve. Our youngest is two. So they're pretty packed in there. Uh, but have a good kid. Good kids. My wife is great with them and uh, works seems to work out just fine. Well, I want to actually, if it's okay, uh, ask a couple questions about this because I know quite a bit of other engineers who are fathers uh, listening to this, a lot of team members here at Pipeline who sponsors the podcast. And what, what are her, how, how does she allow you to pursue your dreams? Any more specifics on that? Um, I, I, a lot of it's just she knows kind of what, what I've always wanted to do, do product design. Um, it's It's scary to stop having a full-time job making consistent money when you have 10 kids. I mean, it's scary anytime, but it's especially scary when you have 10 kids. Um, and a, a lot of it's just, she's, she's good with the kids. She knows what they need and kind of, um, doesn't is open to me trying new things, spending money to get business started and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and so we, I mean, we talk about it a lot. I let her know what I'm doing and, uh, sometimes she has to help me by keeping the kids quiet while I'm on meetings or whatnot. So they're not making too much noise in the house, which you'll probably hear them a few times over this. Cause they're out hopping around and screaming and all sorts of things out there. But yeah, it just, just mainly it's, it's understanding support and, uh, um, not giving me free reign, but, but helping me achieve what I want to achieve rather than complaining about why aren't we, why aren't we buying a boat or whatever? <laughs> very well said. Uh, is there the last question about family, but I'm just very curious about this. Is there any advice that you would have for setting up your routine to make everything work? Uh, for as being an engineer with, with dads or just dads in general? Uh, more specifically. Yeah. Like, Dads that have multiple children that are engineers that have more of the traditional family where the women takes care of the children. How do you set up your routine so it all works? Uh, so I've got a separate room in the basement that's my office um, that I kind of have just locked so the kids don't come in here and mess up anything while I'm doing it. Um, and then, so it's kind of my wife supports me in what I do, and I, um do my best to be a good dad for the rest of the time. Uh, a lot of it is, I mean, I have several sons who are now want to be engineers. My 12 year old, and my 10 year old want to be engineers and love math. And so I'll share with them things that I do and um, let them know kind of, Hey, this is the cool thing. Dad's working on stuff that I can share with them. Obviously um, this is the cool stuff dad's working on and get them, get them kind of excited. And, um, Sometimes bring them to the office and show them 3D printers and whatnot. And uh, just a lot of it's being engaged with your kids. Absolutely. Uh, be kind of a, to, to me, it's not my job. It's, it's not my company. It's my family's company. It's my family's job. Uh, we're kind of all in this together. Absolutely. Well said. Well, uh, maybe one day you could share with them uh, that that was in a podcast and check it out. I sure will. So, Let's let's switch gears now. I wanted to ask you about who are a couple of mechanical product designers that you admire and why? Oh man, well, there's the obvious ones like uh, all the guys at IDEO. You watch those, learn about them, and watch that throughout school. Um, and then I have, I mean, I've had various various professors teachers that I've worked with that uh, have kind of shown me what's possible, given me the options to, to kind of think outside of the box. So I guess maybe not one, one specific famous name, but just a lot of little people here throughout my life that I've seen do things and encourage me to, to keep going. Okay. What is something you've done, perhaps an activity or a task that has helped take your product design engineer skills from average to above average and why? Um, honestly, a lot, some of the best tasks I've done are things that I've kind of done that weren't necessarily work related, but um, like a regular job related, but more kind of side projects trying to get things going. And a lot of that's because when you go and work at a large corporation or whatever, you've got, You've got a hundred engineers there, and if you don't know how to do something, you can just kind of 
rely on them to pick up the slack or whatnot. But when you're doing it by yourself, when you're the only design engineer, um, you have to figure it all out yourself. You got to go and search for manufacturers, figure out manufacturing methods, figure out ways to get the thing built correctly, all those kind of things. It's all on your shoulders. Uh, and I think that's, for me, that's been the best way to learn is where I don't really have an option to just kind of punt, but I've got to, got to go off and figure this stuff out myself. So uh, even people who are working in corporations and large places, if, if you go off on your own and try to design even something simple, the things that you can learn doing that, that you won't learn doing it in a group is uh, pretty tremendous. Well, well, number one, I must feel a lot of pressure if you're given a project and you got to figure it out yourself and there are 10 mouths to feed. That's a lot of, a lot of incentive, right? To get it right. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, part of it's, you got, you have pride. I've got pride in my work and what I do. And so both not being able to figure out how to do something is, it's kind of a pride issue. And I want to, want to show that I can do it. And the other thing is you want to do it well so that, People don't come back and say, why'd you design it this way? Why isn't this working? What not? So it's kind of just being, taking pride in the work that you do and trying to do your best. Mm, I understand. Let's see. So if I understand correctly, one can gain a lot more, well, a lot more responsibility and experience if you're working on projects by yourself, as opposed to working in a group project, because if you don't know something, then somebody else can fill in the gaps. Uh, let's see. But what if you right off college, you join a large company and that's not the case for you. How can you pick up on those skills by side projects, I suppose? Yeah. Come up. I mean, most engineers have at least one, often many um, ideas of, Hey, I'd really like to have this design someday, or this would be cool. Or wouldn't it be great if the world had this or whatever. And my suggestion to people is just pick one of those, pick one that's not not maybe super difficult. That's not going to be super expensive to prototype and whatnot and, and build something. Um, even if it's just for the experience, build something, figure out how to get it made, do all those things. Um, and there's so many, there's so many more things to, to design engineering than just the straight design. There's customer feedback and there's, um, rework and there's, manufacturing all those pieces that add into it that you may not get unless you're seeing the whole project through a lot of the jobs I've had at big places. I don't even, I kind of don't even see the beginning or the end of the project a lot of the time. Uh, but when I'm doing my own stuff, I have a few things that I sell on Amazon that I designed and got, had made all that stuff myself. And when you see the whole project through, you can, you see where all the things interconnect and what's important. And it's not just this, kind of thrown over the wall design like they talk about, but it's a, you got to be there for everything and see every part. And it helps you become a better designer because you know, oh, this is, this is the best way to design this, or this is what it needs to manufacture it the cheapest or the easiest or the best or whatnot. So it's good to see the whole project at least a few times from start to finish. Geez, so many questions I want to ask you after sharing that with me. Let's see. Number one would be, what if we are a junior design engineer and we want to work on our own project to do the things that you just described so we can improve our skills and learn how everything works? But we, at the end of the day, it works, but we don't know if it could have been done better. The likelihood is that it could have been done better. Who can give us that feedback? Who do you recommend that we go to to get feedback on improvements? Um, 
Well, one is just anybody, anybody that would use that kind of product. You can get a lot of feedback from someone who's not a, not a product designer, just saying, Hey, here's this thing I made. Try it out. What do you think? And people will tell you right off, Oh man, it's too bulky or it's, this weighs a lot more than I thought, or the zipper's hard to unzip or all those kind of things. So that's the first one is just anybody, you know, that would use that kind of product. Um, and then there's, I don't know, I can't say for everybody, but for me, if someone was to come and say, Hey, can you give me five minutes of advice on this? I'd be more than happy to share. And I'm sure there's many, many, uh, product designers out there that'd be happy to kind of just give some pointers or tips to somebody. I was going to say that now your inbox is going to fill with five <laughs> minutes of advice. <laughs> Everyone's got to know you. Part, part of being a part of it for me is uh, just helping and being being part of it with everyone else. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love LinkedIn, for example, is seeing what other people are doing. It's encouraging and and getting that network, even when it's maybe not monetarily valuable. It can be. Uh, mentally valuable to see hey there's other people out there doing the same stuff and how are they getting through things and what can i glean and giving back is part of that part of that whole thing it's not just a one-way street it's a give and take learn things share it with other people well said now let's talk about the amazon that you referenced because not all the mechanical design engineers that i've come across they can actually say that they have products on Amazon in the in the marketplace. If you don't mind me asking, if there are no restrictions, what are maybe a couple of these items so I can Google them right now? Um, so I sell. So I've got three three products I've designed specifically that are, I guess, unique to me. One is a a uh, wallet size plastic credit card shaped comb that goes in your wallet. Um, sell a decent number of those. Another one is uh, a switch cover that you put over your garbage disposal switch. So it's hard for kids to turn on. It's a kind of a press in push up type of a thing that um, is easy to install. And when you let go, it turns the garbage disposal off. Uh, And then I have a key that works for a certain uh, Woodford brand's hose spigot. You can take the handle off your hose spigot outside so your kids don't turn it on, but you have a key that will turn it on on your keychain at all times. And these products that you just mentioned, that were they your ideas or customer ideas? They helped you uh, they're, my, they're all mine. They're all oh, mine. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the most expensive part out of launching your own ideas to Amazon? Uh, many times it's tooling. So there's a few things. It kind of depends on the product. For a plastic product, it's usually tooling and uh, initial order. So the products I got had like a 500-piece um, MOQ, minimum order quantity. Uh, and then it was several thousand dollars of tooling for these little parts. Um, and then there's obviously most of what I get made is in China. So there's a pretty hefty shipping cost. Um, but if you can... If you can work around that, do something that's – I've thought about doing things that are 3D printed just to test market stuff and sending those into Amazon. I mean, you can do it for a lot cheaper depending on what, what your manufacturing process is. Well, my concern with that would be let's say that you come up with something that's a 3D print, an adapter for something, whatever the case, uh, and it starts selling, right? So you make some 3D prints. That's market validation. What prevents a knockoff from China 
to to copy you and take over? Uh, well, that's sometimes that's really hard. Um, one that is helps protect is obviously a patent. Um, two is kind of the first to market thing. If you've if you're making an impact and you get first to market, three is just how good is your marketing? Unfortunately, my marketing's not great. That's uh, I can do product design. My marketing skills aren't aren't awesome. So um, you'd probably want to get somebody if you're doing really well. You may want to get a marketing guy on board with you to help you mitigate some of those risks and issues. But that's yeah, that's that's part of the part of the game of product design is your your stuff is never perfectly secure because someone could have invented it before you and you don't know because their patent hasn't been issued or whatever, or somebody can come in and start making it. There's, there's always the risk. Um, it's product development is a gamble. Um, it's a gamble that you'll be able to get it to work right. It's a gamble that people want to buy it. It's a gamble that you won't have someone come and easily rip it off and undercut sale you. And so you don't, you end up losing sales. It's, it's, uh, it's a gamble that sometimes pays off and sometimes doesn't, but it's still kind of fun. Was there a time where it really paid off for you? Um, I'm hoping. I actually have a uh, – I've designed a stroller that folds down very, very compactly that I've filed a patent for last year. And I'm hoping to get find a licensing partner for um, and get that out, but – it's I'm still on the man. I sure hope that something, something hits it out of the park really well. I've done, I've had products that have done really well. They just weren't mine before. I see. I, I did the mechanical design for the very first ring doorbell. For no example. way. I have one of those, not the first one, but, but ring, I am familiar. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was doing mechanical design work on that for the, at the very beginning. So I've seen that kind of explode. So it's kind of cool to see those around. I'm like, hey, I did the first one of those. People know what this is. Nice. How do you decide which products to feature on your website? And if you want to share with the listeners, we'll put it in the show notes. But what's your website? Uh, it's mauriceproducts.com, M-O-R-R-I-S-E products.com. How do you decide which products to feature? Because if you say ring, if I were you, I would have put that one like front and center to get that credibility, right? Yeah, so I, I use that sometimes. I mainly on my website I put things that are m my own intellectual property. Um, but that's a good point. I probably should should update some things and figure out what I can what I can safely share on there. Is hey, I've done this project because I've done I mean dozens of things that that have been for sale before. Right, and I just went to your website. I click shop, and I see the three Amazon items that you just described before. I see the comb, I see the switch. Yes. Okay. So the the nice part about those, all three of those came out of a a personal necessity of something that I really wanted to have, and um. A couple of those came out of, I was just going to build it anyway for myself. And I'm like, hey, I could make a product out of this thing. Yes, I have so many questions for you. Let's see. This is, this is turning out great. So you don't have to give away your secret sauce by all means. But I'm just curious. Ring, it's a pretty big company. Most listeners listen to this. They know the little Ring doorbell that has the camera. 
how does a company of that size find you and strike a deal with you for you to develop the mechanical design for them? Well, in that case, that was me working for uh, another company that did consulting. Um, kind of a, so it wasn't my own personal con- consulting uh, work. So it was a bigger, larger company than my own that came to us um, through seeing some other work that we had done. And when one is a mechanical design engineer, if you worked on the Ring project, is it okay for one to feature the Ring on one's personal website or that does infringe on anything? Uh, To be honest, I don't know, which is part of why it's not on my website, because I'm not sure what the requirements are there. Okay. Well, well, I'm just like, I'm just amazed that you worked on that. That's, That's really cool. All right. Well, uh, switching gears, I wanted to talk about the capstone uh, that you helped the capstone students, senior capstone project students with their engineering projects. And if you could tell us a little bit more of background on that. Yeah. So uh, I went to BYU for my master's degree and a couple of years ago started doing uh, just they have coaches for the capstone groups, uh, usually people who are out in industry who've done product design before who can kind of mentor and assist the um, group of capstone students. Uh, so I did that a couple of years. Um, really good experience. Great working with students. Really awesome to see uh, kind of their their excitement and drive to do product design because for most of them, it's kind of the first time they've really ever done a real product design for a real company. Uh, yeah, so I did – last year we did a uh, – an electrospun. Electrospinning is a process of applying – um, strands of of plastic down to make a, a membrane that can filter out uh, particles, COVID and other types of particles. And so the one last year that we worked on was this um, electrospun mask f- filter that my team did. Just really kind of a neat experience to see how good some of those students coming out are and watching their drive. What sets apart the best... And I want to really specify the niche, the mechanical product design engineering students from the average ones. What's the difference? Um, uh, creativity and uh, a willing to just do. Um, there's, I've often thought there's kind of two types of people in the world. There's the type that will do what, what they're told at work. And there's the types that will... Um, kind of step-by-step, step, hey, do this, 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 this. And there's the type that will do whatever they needed to to finish the project. And those kind of types that can say, hey, I know it needs to be done. I don't exactly know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. Um, that's kind of the best ones is the ones that can think outside of the box and just figure out a way to get things done without having to be instructed as to, this is exactly what you need to do, but it's the kind of creative thinking that's, and I'm not even sure how teachable that is, or if it's just in built into certain people, but that's kind of the best, the best uh, type of design engineers, the ones that can think outside the box. You basically beat me to it. I was going to ask you if there, are, if that can even be taught. Uh, I'm hopeful that it can be taught to people because it sounds like it's a difference between being a good engineer and a great engineer, the capability of figuring things out. 
And if there's like a process or a checklist to figure things out. Well, it's funny. I was talking to my older brother who is a, has a degree in physics um, yesterday about this very thing. And it was kind of, we we're both, both uh, talking about how nice it is that we can figure out and troubleshoot things. And part of it is just a willingness to just go and try. It's this, I just ran into something that I have no idea how to, how to get past. And I'm going to go, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to think of just whatever way I could do and try it, try whatever it is until I find a solution. And so I think if there's a way to teach it, it's almost self-taught by just, just doing whatever it takes to get past that hurdle. Other than what we just discussed, do you have any other advice from senior students in their capstone projects? Um, a lot of times the, the best way to use that uh, is to use it as a, not as a class, but as a learning experience. Um, you're going to go out into the world and be in a lot of different industries doing a lot of different things. And every industry and every company is different. Their documentation is different. Their design process is different. Um, but the more exposure you can have to it, uh, the, the better off you're going to be to just every different way. Every time I have a client, they're going to expect, they expect different things from me. They want different types of payment structure or timeline or design practice or involvement in different projects. And it's uh, one of the things you learn from capstone and from school is just, I mean, even, even regular classes is having different clients that want things a little different way. And you got to kind of learn to be able to adapt um, to be a successful, uh, successful uh, vendor to any client you have. Um, regardless of kind of what their individual needs are. I'm so happy you bring that up. So if I understand correctly, at the moment, you are basically a one-man show doing everything in your company and providing consulting mechanical design engineering services. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So like you just mentioned, every customer is different. And is it safe to assume that they didn't teach you in college how to deal with every different customer? Uh, that is very safe to assume. Okay. So this is then very valuable to our listeners. What advice could you give them if they're one day striving to have a similar life dynamic to yours, maybe having multiple children and maybe being the owner of a one-man show company? Uh, how do you pick up the skill of learning how to manage different customers? Uh, one is you've just got to, you've got to kind of understand one that people are different and different than you. And you need to know what you need to figure out what they expect. Um, Cause some, some clients will expect not very much as a deliverable and other clients will expect everything. Um, so when you're negotiating a contract or what you're going to do, figure out what they expect and then try to meet it. Uh, you can't at the same time, you can't roll over backwards when they come back and say, Hey, well, you did this, but I really wanted this, this, and this. Um, so you have to be clear about what what you're providing them um, and what not only what you think they should be provided, but what they expect you to be provided. Or you end up having issues where they feel like they only got half of what they expected and you feel like you've done way too much work. And um, So communication and understanding what the deliverable and what they expect is really the, the prime thing.
Would you say that what would you say is the most enjoyable part of being a one man show? Is that what you you call it, one man show? That yeah, works. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the most enjoyable part of running a one man show engineering business? Uh, for me, it's the flexibility. I can. One is that there's just a lot of different things to do, so it's hard to get bored doing anything because you're going back and forth between totally different products and different customers and different things. And um, having the flexibility to do to do what I need to do is nice. I mean, one night I can say I can have some free time and think, hey, I could go do a couple hours worth of work and that would be fine. And one morning it can be, hey, I need to do this or that and take that time off. But it also gives me more flexibility to do some of my own products spend some time on things that will hopefully uh, become lucrative in the future. So it's to me, it's your folk, you're building your future, both um, short-term and long-term at the same time. Perfect. Well, I think this is a good place to take a quick pause and share with our listeners that team pipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices. So the next question I was going to ask is, how do you keep the money flowing? Because once you finish a project, do you have another project lined up, or how does that work? Uh, that's a good question. So <laughs> um, I've... I've realized that it looks like your Wi-Fi okay. name or has changed. I've realized uh, that my when you when you work for a regular company and you have extra money in the bank, it's kind of extra money you can go and use for vacation or work on your house or buy a new car or whatever. When you work for yourself, for me at least, it's like I don't have extra money. I just have time. Money equals time. Um. So if I have money in the bank, it means, hey, you've got this much time before you have to have a new contract or before you're going to have to go get a new job or whatever. Um, so I actually keep a, a big detailed spreadsheet of how much money I have and what my expenses are going to be. So I know at any given time, hey, I've got this much money um, before I have to take out a loan or get a new job or whatever it is. And then just try to work keeping keeping jobs coming in all the time. I don't know if this is an inappropriate question, but it made me laugh. But if anything, if it all comes crushing, burning down, which I hope that's never the case, do you have like a list of employers that you're going to reach out to if that were to have happen? Um, I don't have a list of employers, but I do have contingency plans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I've done things like, all right, so if we had to sell our house – we could buy a house at this place in this city and work there and be able to work for this much longer. Or if I had to take out a loan or different, so I've got all these contingency plans of what if it all comes crashing down? What are my options? Nice. Um, but I do contingency plan. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I do keep a, a finger on the job market too, just to kind of make sure I know what's going on. How did you know that it was, time for you to get started with your own company. It's a big leap of faith. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I've wanted to do it for a long time. That's kind of always been my goal. Um, 
I actually happened on this uh, entrepreneurship class that I took a little over three years ago. And what was the name? Uh, it's uh, growing and starting a business. Um, and it was, so I was taking that class, kind of a group class and was thinking about, Hey, this is what I want to do. It's where I'd like to be. And as I've got more into it, I started to get more excited about it. And I, I mean, I brought the idea up with my wife a lot of times and it always just scared her to death of how is this, how can we even do this? <laughs> I'd, watch, I'd watch people on shark tank who'd gone on and mortgaged their house to do things and thought, wow, how do you get to where you're willing to do that? And, uh, this time I was like, you know, I really want to do this. And I brought it up with my wife and she's like, you know, I feel good about this. Um, I'm not, I'm not scared. I think this is going to be okay. And so that's kind of what, what gave me the go ahead is my wife and I both felt, felt comfortable. Um, and the other nice thing is I've got, uh, I've got an education. I can go get another job if I need to. So there's always the, my family's not going to be high and dry if it doesn't work out. Um, just kind of back up there too. So that's nice. This class about growing and starting a business, I'm Googling that right now to put it in the show notes. It, where is it? Who hosts that class? It's It actually is a uh, one that I did through a church group. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints group that does it. Uh, they do it in just small, small groups and uh, probably all over the, all over the country. Church of Jesus Christ.org. Uh, yes. Okay. I see it. Perfect. So that it's kind of just a bunch of people get together and there's a book and everyone learns and kind of says, this is what I want to do. And we kind of try to build businesses together a little bit. Okay. Well, we're getting towards the ends of the podcast. Just a few questions left. Uh, I was going to ask you for, when students are in, in engineering school, a lot of what they learn is theoretical. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. So what skills can they pick up while they're in school so that when they join the workplace, they can be contributors to if they are if they want to be basically your career, which is uh, mechanical product design engineers? What, what skills can they pick up and how do they pick up those up other than what we already discussed, which is the projects? Yeah. So, um, one is there's for where I was, there's a few elective possibilities you could take. And so one is to take the elective classes that apply. Um, I wish I'd done more, learned a little more electrical, um, cause I do a lot of, a lot of design work incorporating electrical things into products. So that would have been really nice. Um, getting involved with, with uh, groups that do things that you're interested in, getting internships is huge. And then uh, one thing that I'm always impressed by when people are looking for a job is the people that do things, do design work and things just as a hobby. Like, yeah, I've done, I did this in my garage. I designed this thing and built it in my garage. Those things kind of give you a lot of that experience. Um, and a lot of, frankly, help with the drive of what, what are you trying to do and what do you want to do? So kind of doing things on your own is always a big thing for me. Fantastic. Well, is there something that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? 
Oh man, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but, uh, yeah, just a, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Just learn as much as you can. Um, you, you, there's going to be a business side and a marketing side and all those things and whatever whatever information, whatever stuff you can glean from whatever source is kind of is going to come back and help you. All right, perfect. Well, with that, I wanted to thank you for being on the podcast. And any last word for our listeners and how can they find you? Uh, MauriceProducts.com. Uh, if you have any questions. Feel free to message me on there or look me up on LinkedIn and connect. I'm happy to happy to assist and happy to collaborate with whoever is interested. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.